Welcome to Fragmented, a software developer podcast where we talk about building good software and becoming better developers. My name's Don Felker. And I'm Kaushik Gopal. Welcome to the show. This episode of Fragmented is brought to you by AndroidJobs.io. On Android Jobs, you can post a job posting for free and also sign up to get weekly notification emails of new job postings. These job postings are worldwide, so any company around the world can post for free. However, I wanted to let you know about a couple of feature upgrades that we recently made to the site. Number one, you can now pay for a upgraded highlighted posts. And this will highlight your job post among all the other Android jobs that are out there. Number two, you can pay for a featured job posting that will highlight it as well as pin it to the top of the job board. Now, again, the free job postings are still available, so you can still post a job for free. But if you would like to kind of give it a little bit more flair, you can upgrade it as you'd like. Now, additionally, Every job posting on Android Jobs, including the free one, is now going to be a 90-day job posting. So please check it out when you have a chance. Sign up to get notified of new job postings. And thanks for listening and checking out the site. Again, that's androidjobs.io. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. Today, it's just going to be a solo show with me today. But I did talk to Kaushik prior to recording this to see if this is something that we thought all of you or the people out in the industry would benefit from. And we agreed that it probably would be. And so it's going to be short and to the point. So let's get right to it. With all the recent layoffs in tech from all of the various companies, there's a lot of people out there that are out looking for jobs. There's a lot of worry. There's a lot of concern, not really sure how to find a position. For example, there's many people that have been at the same company for you know, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten plus years that have been recently laid off. And when you've been at a company that long, getting back out into the workforce is a very daunting task because a lot of things have changed since you've last interviewed or since you've been through the process. Now, sure, you may have interviewed people, but being on the other side of that, being the person who's being interviewed and actually having to look for positions and compete for positions, it's a very stressful and difficult thing, and especially if you don't know how to go find uh, a position. So I wanted to talk today about how you can land a job after getting laid off. Now, this also applies if you're just trying to find a job in general. So you can apply it to both sides, but it's really timely given the current tech landscape. Okay, so I'm just going to hop right into it. When you have been laid off or if you're out there looking for a job, the first thing that you need to do is you need to update your profile of experience on LinkedIn. Now, if you do not have a LinkedIn, you need to go create one. A lot of people have disabled it over the years. Just let's ignore all that advice. Go turn your LinkedIn completely back on. You know, Don't make yourself private. Make yourself as available as possible. Update your experience of where you've worked, et cetera. And then you're going to go into LinkedIn and they have something known as a resume builder. And this is something you can use. I believe it's free to use. Um, I, I think mine was free. And you go in there and you update it and you build your resume. And then once you build your resume, you can actually download it, I think as a PDF or one of multiple different formats. And then you can save it locally to send to whoever you need to send it to. So this, it's useful because now you have a, a resume that's on LinkedIn and you can use that resume to apply to places and you can use it on LinkedIn to send to people, et cetera. Okay. So you've updated your LinkedIn experience. You've created your resume through the 
LinkedIn or resume builder. Now, the next thing you need to do is on LinkedIn, you're going to need to go into the settings and you need to go to the open to work feature and you need to toggle yourself as open to work. In the past, what this typically will do is it'll update your profile picture and it'll include like a little badge on your profile picture that's I think green, if I remember correctly, it says open to work on it. So when people see your profile picture through various different methods on LinkedIn, they'll see that you're available to work. Uh, that usually will entice them to click into your profile and learn more and perhaps reach out to you. Now, this also informs recruiters on the platform that this person, so we'll use myself as an example, if I set myself to open to work, it will let the recruiters know that I am available for work opportunities. So I recently went through this a number of months ago, about six months ago, and did exactly this and was, I am very not, <laughs> I am not active on LinkedIn really ever. I might go in there and check my connections and accept all the new connections I have. I don't deny anybody. And uh, I accept all connections and then I blog out. And that's all I've done on LinkedIn for probably, I don't know, eight, 10 years. But as soon as I enabled myself to available uh, and open to work, my inbox became almost inundated with opportunities, we'll say. These came from recruiters that were at companies. These came from tech recruiters that are at recruiting companies. This came from people that were engineers at other companies that knew that they had an opening that perhaps maybe had wanted to work with me. Now, I understand my situation might be different because I have this podcast. I have been doing videos. I have written books. So my situation is different. However, I do know other people that have followed this exact protocol and had similar results. The key here is leveraging the platform to allow it to do what it does best, which is to connect people. So when you update that LinkedIn experience and you've set yourself to open to work, all of a sudden you'll start having people starting to reach out to you, given what you've done, if it's a mobile developer, web developer, or whatever. So that's really step one, you know, is updating that profile on LinkedIn. Step two is setting that LinkedIn status to open to work. That's going to just kind of run in the background and you're just going to want to check LinkedIn a couple of times a day. So I have all my notifications turned off on my phone, but I went back in the notification settings and turned them back on for LinkedIn. This got annoying real fast. However, in my opinion, when you don't have a job, your number one job is to find a job. So that was my full-time job at the time was to go find a job or find a client or whatever. And so these are, again, this is all experience and skills that I have used over the last 15, 20 years to maintain consulting clients, contracting clients, and full-time jobs, et cetera. So I know this works because this is the exact thing that I do. And it works for both consulting, contracting, as well as for full-time employment. Okay, so we've got the first two steps there. Now, the third step here might rub people a little bit the wrong way, but again, I know this works because it has always worked for me. And that is to directly reach out to recruiters you know. Now you might be thinking, but Don, I don't know any recruiters. I can't stand recruiters. I, you know, I tell them to go away. Okay, I understand. What I advise here is that you realize that, hey, you probably do need a little bit of help maybe, and then go back into your email or go into your LinkedIn messages and find the recruiters. Do a little bit of searching. Give yourself a couple of hours to go through there and go into your email box, find all the recruiters that have contacted you over the last couple of years and tag them with a recruiter label in your email client of choice. Perhaps do the same thing in LinkedIn or anywhere else you've been able to contact or interact with recruiters. 
And then what you're going to want to do is reach out to them. And you can use a very simple script. And this very simple script is, goes something like this. Hey, so-and-so, I uh, haven't talked to you in quite a while. Hope everything's doing well. Just wanted to let you know that I'm back on the market. My skills are currently X, Y, and Z. And I'm kind of looking for a role that's in this, one of these areas. However, I'm, I'm also open to anything else that's A, B, C, D, E. If you have anything, please let me know. I'd love to chat. You can reach out to me here or here's my phone number as well. Look forward to talking to you soon. You know, regards, Don. Just friendly, to the point, et cetera. What you will find is a lot of recruiters will reach back out to you and say, oh yes, you know, I've got some opportunity over here. Now let's say you're an Android developer and they say, hey, we've got this opportunity to work in Xamarin. And you're like, ah, I don't want to work in Xamarin. Okay, you don't have to take Xamarin. Or I've got this opportunity working with a Bluetooth low energy device that connects to an Android app. And maybe you don't like Bluetooth. Okay, well, you don't have to choose that. But what you're going to get is a lot of opportunities here. Um, and one thing I want you to keep in mind is that, and for me, what has really worked well for me is that I approach all these opportunities as I kind of weigh them. Where I'm currently sitting, do I have a client? Do I have an income source? Do I have cash flow coming in? What's the level of, at this point in time, the urgency to land a position. The more urgent it is, the less picky you probably get to be. So that's something to keep in mind because sometimes we just got to do things to make ends meet and that's okay. So perhaps it's going to be something that you don't really love, but hey, at least you get your foot in the door and perhaps you can move up or use it as a way to move to another opportunity. Now, the same thing also goes for maybe you're looking for a full-time position, but you're having a hard time finding one, but you find a contracting position through a recruiter that's three to six months long. Well, you know what? You can probably utilize that. And if you've been laid off recently, you probably still have some benefits for a little while. This will kind of bridge that gap until you can find another full-time position. So there's options out there of kind of how you can navigate this marketplace of available opportunities. So you're going to reach out to all the recruiters that you know. And you can use the same exact script for all of them. So just create the script once, copy and paste it, change the name and send it. And yes, does it sound a little robotic? Does it sound a little repetitive? Of course it does. But what do recruiters do to you? They do the same exact thing to you. Recruiters are matchmakers. They're matchmakers for companies. They're matching what the company's looking for, for the technical talent. And then once that match is made, they move on to the next one. And that's just the way that it works. Now, of course, they scrape some money off the top. But and they have a way to make their money, but that's just the way that the industry works. If you see them as a tool to, to get from point A to point B, they're very valuable. I, and I've, I've mentioned this many times, I have attested recruiters as my secret weapon to never going without work over the last 20 years. I've been through recessions. I have been laid off. I have been everything. I have not been without a position for more than 24 to 48 hours, I think. There's, it's just amazing how much you can rely on the network of recruiters that are out there to help you out when you're in a bind. So I want you to keep that in mind. It's uh, reach out to those recruiters. That's number three. Now, number four, and I'm telling you these in order that you should do them because this is going to get you the best results. And this is based on personal experience that I have doing exactly this. Now, number four is manual discovery. And manual discovery is where you're going to reach out to various companies that you're interested in. You're going to go to their careers pages. You're going to find that they have a position that you're interested in, and you're going to submit an application. If you know somebody that at that company, though, this is key. Let's say you go to a company that you are would love to get a job at, and you know someone that works there, talk to that person. See if you can get your resume through that person. That's going to be a warm lead. It's going to be a referral, and it's going to get you know, priority treatment over a cold lead that comes in through an application page where 
it usually hits a HR manager's inbox before it goes to an engineering manager. So if you have someone that you know at the company you want to go to, go through that person if you can, send them your resume, have them make the connection. Your chances are much higher of moving through the process than if it's just a cold, you know, cold outreach. But anyway, so if you want to reach out to whatever company you want, you can just go to the careers page and, and see what jobs they have and submit from there. Now, you can also go to, and I highly recommend this, go to job boards and apply directly through all these various different job boards if you're not sure what's out there. There's a ton of different job boards for Android ones. Uh, I actually run an Android job board, and that's androidjobs.io, so full disclaimer there. But you can go there, sign up for free you know, job notifications um, and so forth and see what people are, are hiring for, and you can contact the companies directly through those. So that's known as manual discovery. So those are the four main methods that you're going to basically get an influx of interest to you. And so half the time it's going to be through LinkedIn, people reaching out to you and you can perhaps even post on LinkedIn saying, Hey, I'm looking for a position in this technology. I have this experience. And you can make that as a status update. Again, LinkedIn's going to pick up on this. There's an algorithm at LinkedIn too, and it's going to eventually start referring people. Recruiters are going to find you. Now, last thing about LinkedIn, when a recruiter asks to connect, always accept it. I know I just probably lost half the listeners, if not more, but they're going to immediately reach out, be in your inbox saying, Hey, you interested in this opportunity? Save yourself some time. Just write a quick little reply. And here's what I have. I have this saved and this goes, Hey, blank, blank being their name. Hey, blank. Thanks for reaching out. I really appreciate it. At this time, I'm currently fully booked up, but that does change usually every three to six months. So please reach out around three to six months and we'll see if we have any availability to work together, period. Wish you the best of luck in your search. Have a great day, Don. That's it. I have used this exact script. I have it memorized. I've used this exact script for over 10 years. I use it in Gmail. I use it in LinkedIn. I use it anywhere where recruiters will contact me and I accept every single recruiter connection through LinkedIn and every email that I get from them, I reply with that and I label them as recruiter in my inbox and I archive it. Now, this is, that's, this is really a secret sauce, and I, I understand that a lot of you may have not been doing this, but going forward, it's a fantastic way to give yourself resilience and anti-fragility to make sure that you can weather these storms that kind of happen that are out of your control. Because you get laid off, you're in a dire situation, you need to find a gig, you can open up your inbox, you can open up your email client, go to that tag recruiters, find them, create a draft, blast all these recruiters a message, you're going to have opportunities in your inbox within hours, like clockwork. Okay, so we've got the, the LinkedIn thing, uh, your LinkedIn status set to open to work, you're doing direct, you've reached out to the recruiters and you're doing manual discovery, that's great. Now the thing to keep in mind here, just make sure you're checking your email, maybe a couple of times a day at least, checking your LinkedIn messages a couple of times a day. You wanna be quick to reply to these people, you wanna be active, you don't wanna take a couple of days to get back to them because they're trying to fill positions. And if they're interested in you, you wanna make sure that you can provide as much you know, responsiveness as possible. So that kind of covers the high level. Now there are some ancillary things that you can do to help boost your chances of landing a gig. So let's quickly talk about those. And I have five listed out here. Now these are in no specific order, but they will all help you land a gig. And I know this again through personal experience. Number one, blog about the technology you're looking to get a job in. You can write about anything. If you write about web dev or Android dev or iOS dev or whatever, if you're writing about Flutter, write about how you did something put it on. It doesn't matter if you don't have a blog on WordPress or anything. I'm not a huge fan of medium, but medium works too. 
put it up there. Just get some content out there. Share it on social media. Share it on LinkedIn. Let people know that you know what you're talking about. So this could be any type of technology. I highly recommend it's what you're trying to get a job in though, because you want to demonstrate that you have experience and knowledge in that subject matter. Okay, number two, create a demo app or an application that you can use to showcase your talents and put that on GitHub and release it. Let's say you wanna build a mobile app. Build a mobile app, release the code as open source on GitHub, maybe add some tests, do, you know, it doesn't have to be over-architected, but at least have, you know, make sure your code is somewhat clean, follow decent patterns and practices, don't over-architect it, maybe have some tests, but at least allow people to say, oh, I can see some code that Don has written here on GitHub. It looks pretty good. All right, you know, there's some things I might do differently, but hey, that that's good. That gives the engineering manager, the engineers, whoever, HR, the recruiter, some confidence that, hey, this person knows what they're doing. Now, if it's a mobile app, you could even take that app and release it on one of the market, you know, the markets could be Google Play or iOS, App Store, whatever. And this is going to give you the experience of releasing and managing an app and so forth. What can the app be? Could be your own take on a to-do app, could be a podcast player, could be anything of that nature, could be a photo organizer, a photo tagger. There's a whole bunch of ideas. You can just Google app ideas. For me, I always like to just build a note-taking app that has reminders built in with login and so forth. It does a lot of stuff for me. Um, you can use Face ID if you want to use Face ID to unlock, and you can work with a whole bunch of different stuff inside of these apps. You can perhaps maybe say, hey, in my note-taking app, I want to be able to lock a note or encrypt a note, and you have to use a password to unencrypt a note or whatever. I want to be able to share the note and it just shares the encrypted text and then someone has to provide a key to unlock it, whatever. There's all different kinds of things you can do, um, but just get something out there. And this can be all different types of things. It can be something very simple like, you know, here's a little sample app of how you can use, you know, this new technology with this other technology. And I use this integration API to make it together. All different kinds of things you can do. All right. So that's number two. Now, number three, you can record a how-to video and post it on YouTube showing how to do something. And this is going to be something like a tutorial. And this is very similar to blogging. It's just a different medium. Different people do different things. Some people love to read blogs. Other people love to watch YouTube videos. Some people do both. Some people listen to this podcast. So as we're talking or as you're listening right now, by the time this comes out, maybe even a little bit later, I will have recorded a video that does and talks about these same exact things. And I will probably put that up on YouTube as well. Now it'll probably be a little bit shorter here because the attention span on videos is pretty short, but you kind of get the idea. So you'll want to record a how-to video, post it on YouTube. Again, make sure it's in the technology that you're using. Now, the big thing people wonder is like, well, Don, I don't have, you know, a good mic to do that and anything. If the content is really good and the mic audio is, is decent enough, it's going to be okay. One of the things you can do is you can look up a mic, which is called the ATR2100, and that's by Audio-Technica. It is a USB microphone. It's the same one that Tim Ferriss uses when he travels. It's the same one I used to give to my instructors that were on my course platform, and it's one of the same ones I use. It's the same exact one I use when I travel. It works great. It gives you a great sound, plugs in USB. I think it's like 50 to $80, depending if you can get a discount or whatever. Very simple mic but you don't have to have that. If you have a very quiet area of your house, go into a closet where there's a lot of clothes. It dampens the sound a lot and record the video in there. Just, you know, you don't have to record your face, but record your video and your audio and it'll actually come out pretty good. So that's uh, one way you can do that. There. So that's number three, record a how-to video. All right, number four, 
record or start a podcast like this one. Or reach out to hosts of other podcasts and offer to share some deep knowledge that you have, or even talk about some soft skills or something that you've recently learned while doing something at a particular company. People are always trying to learn. If you're listening to this podcast, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. You're trying to learn from me and hopefully you're getting some value, but you have some knowledge that I don't have. And so you should go share that as much as possible. It doesn't matter if it's blogging, videos, hopping on someone else's podcast, go out there and do it. So number four, record a podcast, start a podcast if you haven't, or reach out to the host of other podcasts. Again, you want to do this in the technology that you're trying to get a job in. All right, number five, this one is... I think the real secret sauce of a lot of like long-term personal marketing and brand development, and that is speaking at local user groups and conferences. And these are local. When I say this, this means that you don't have to worry about travel costs. You just show up and speak. So if you're like me, I'm on the East coast, I'm in between Philadelphia and New York. So I can speak anywhere in either one of those. It's about an hour drive for me either way. So I can go into the city, I can speak in an event and I can drive home. Doesn't matter if it's a conference, if it's a local uh, you know, meetup of something, same thing in Philly. There's a lot of conferences in both of these. Now, when I lived in Minneapolis, I would even drive all the way down to Iowa and Des Moines. And I would do, this is, I was very far to drive for a, a conference talk, but I did it. And I would drive home the same day. So there was one code camp I gave a presentation to in Iowa. I left at four in the morning. My talk was at nine. I got there at like seven or I think eight o'clock in the morning. Gave my presentation, had another one at one in the afternoon. So I did two in one day. So thankfully they got me on the same day. I wrapped that up. I had a newborn at home at the time. And as soon as I finished, I hung around for a little bit, talked to people, answered all the questions I needed to answer. And I left at three. I wasn't even there for the full conference day. Would I have liked to stay? Of course, but I had other obligations in my personal life. I still had to go back to, but I fit it in there. So if you can speak at these local user groups and you don't have to worry about travel costs, that's great. Now, what if you don't have, what if you're in a small town, you don't have these? Well, see if there's any online groups you can be a part of and see if they'd be willing to do some type of online presentation. You can do it through Zoom, which I've done these things before as well, or kind of go back to step three, take that same content, make your presentation and record the presentation and put it on YouTube. That is exactly how this podcast started to tell you the truth. I got sick and I couldn't speak at a conference in Philadelphia. I lived in Arizona at the time. And I felt really bad because some people wanted to see my talk. So what I did, as soon as I felt well enough, I recorded the entire talk, which is about 65, 70 minutes long with slides and everything. I did the entire presentation and I recorded it. And then I uploaded it to Google Drive and I sent the conference organizer a link saying, hey, I apologize. I wasn't able to make it. I feel really bad. Here is my presentation. Can you please send it to everybody? I said, you know, and they can watch it. They can still feel like they, you know, got their money's worth, et cetera. He was very appreciative of that. He sent that out and he posted it online. And then at that point in time, I would say that was about one or two years later, Kaushik ended up watching that podcast and he ended up watching the video. And then he reached out to me and said, Hey, I know, you know, he cold email, would you be interested in doing a podcast? We share a lot of the same thought processes. And it was a cold email. I was like, uh, yeah, that'd be great. And uh, here we are seven, eight, almost eight years later, still doing the podcast. So if you can't make it to a local user group, you don't have one that's near you. You can always record it and upload it and share it. It's going to have a long shelf life, especially if it's good quality content. Okay. So that basically wraps it up. Now, the, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about those ancillary things, is because that is your 
is, is you marketing yourself personally. And the more you get out there in various different mediums, the more people are going to know of you. And the more people that know you and know what you're capable of, the more opportunities you're going to have. I think that is the key takeaway from the ancillary section here of how you can boost your chances of landing a gig. And I'm just going to recap those. Number one, blog about the technology you're looking to get a job in. Number two, create a demo app and use it to showcase your talents. Put it on GitHub. Number three, record a how-to video and post it on YouTube showing how to do something like a tutorial. Number four, record or start a podcast or reach out to hosts of other podcasts and offer to share some deep knowledge that you have or talk about some soft skills or whatever. And number five, speak at local user groups, local regional conferences. And these are going to be where you don't have to worry about travel, flights, hotels, and so forth. Something you can just drive to and drive home at the same day. Might be a couple of hours drive, but hey, that's doable. You do these things, people find out about you. And eventually, opportunities start coming your way. But to recap the initial ones, again, update your LinkedIn profile. Use the resume builder to build your resume. Set your LinkedIn status to open to work. Directly reach out to recruiters you know and do some manual discovery and start applying for positions. I guarantee you, you do these things and you treat these things like a full-time job while you're trying to find the job because you don't have one, you're going to find many, many opportunities out there. Now, last note here, and I talked about this a little bit, there might be opportunities that you're not super excited about. There might be stuff that you're just, none of these are something I'm, I wake up excited about. That's okay. I've been there. Sometimes you have to take a position to make ends meet to, again, just to make things happen. And that's okay. Um, you can always move on from there. Just know that, hey, sometimes these things are just temporary and you can kind of learn something in the process. Treat each and time you get into these situations as a learning opportunity and you'll find that you'll have a lot more opportunities going forward. I hope this episode's really helped you. If you have any questions about interviewing or you have any questions about finding a job, you've been laid off, whatever, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter. That's probably the best way to get a hold of me. It's at Don Felker. Again, I'll probably have a video like this up on YouTube, but again, everybody, thanks for listening and we'll catch you in the next episode. Once again, this episode is brought to you by androidjobs.io. Post a free job posting, sign up to get notified of those job postings, and you can also upgrade and make your job posting highlighted or pinned to the top or anything like that. And remember, all job postings are now 90 days long. So check it out, androidjobs.io. Thanks for listening. That's it for the show, folks. Fragmented is hosted by Don Felker and me, Kaushik Gopal. We edit and produce all the episodes here on Fragmented. You can find more Fragmented episodes at fragmentedpodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and we will catch you in the next episode.